Well, good morning again, everybody, and hello, online community. Glad you guys are with us. It is New Year's Eve. Happy New Year again. It's so fun. Do you love New Year's Eve? Are you New Year's Eve people? There's only two kinds of people in the world. Some of you are New Year's Eve people. Who are you? Okay. You're, you can admit it. It's totally fine. How many of you are 9 o'clock New Year's Eve people? You're like, oh, okay, well, now, yeah. How many of you are super unromantic about New Year's Eve? You're like, no, that's not me. Really? What a surprise, Daryl, in the back. All right. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm such a romantic, but I'm also this weird pragmatist. Like, there's something about New Year's Eve that kind of creates in me, like, yeah, it's going to be a fresh start. It's the end of a year. Like, it's the end of an era. There's a new thing. And yet the pragmatist in me is like, yeah, no, I'm only eight hours older than I was, the, you know, the day before. And so it's kind of funny that I live in both worlds with New Year's Eve. But I do think that there's something about it, and that's why it, it continues to persist in our culture as a, as a marker, as a special time for us. And so I think it's worth really considering why, like what goes on in my heart around that, around having a marker, a fresh start, a new thing that's happening. And so what I want to do, I, here's the thing, I think it's like a cusp. Don't you think it's like a cusp? The, the, the December 31st, we do feel like there's something happening here where we're between looking back and looking forward. And so that's what I call my sermon, looking uh, back and looking forward. And I want to talk about how to do that in a responsible and godly way. See, here's the thing. Here's a scripture that I have used so many times from Ephesians chapter five. You'll probably hear this from me 15 times a year. It'll, I'll embed it somewhere in a sermon because it matters how we live. Do you remember a few weeks ago, I even preached a sermon where I made you repeat that after me. It matters how we live. Does it sound familiar to any of you who were there that day? Like it matters. And when we're on the cusp at New Year's Eve and we're thinking about looking back and looking forward, like, let's talk about it. Kind of, it's because there's something inside us that goes, I matter who I am. It matters who I was this year and who I'm going to be next year. This text sort of sums that up. As I said, it's super common uh, scripture. Be very careful then how you live. Do you just not love that first phrase, Paul's heart for the Ephesian church? Be very careful. You got to be careful about how you live. You have to live with care, like it matters. Do you feel it? Uh, some of you, that, this is the only phrase that you need to hear me say. In fact, go to Starbucks, you're done. You just need this from me this morning, this idea of, oh man, I'm gonna live with care. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This is a broken world, and we're a mess, and it matters how we live, and we have to live wisely about it. Goes on to talk about wisdom by saying, therefore, do not be foolish. That feels a little harsh, right? Do not be foolish. But listen, when you think about that word foolish, does anybody know in the scriptures? Who is defined as a fool in scriptures? It's that the fool is someone who says in their heart, there is no God. Somebody said, I know better. That's, yeah, that is all over it. Well, I was thinking of the verse that says, but there is no God. The fool says, there's no God. I'm gonna live how I want. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I know better. I'm gonna live my life like God doesn't exist. But the scriptures teach us over and over again. And it matters how we live. Be very careful. Let's live wisely, not like there's no God, because there is. And so I wanna understand what God's will is. I think it's a great verse for the cusp of New Year's. In fact, let's all get tattoos tonight. Like about 11 p.m., 
Let's get this verse tattooed. Zin, be very careful how you live. And so I want to look at being careful about looking backward and being careful about looking forward. Here's my two points that I'm going to make in brief, and then I'll, uh, I'll kind of um, expand them a little bit first. Looking back, we're going to talk about looking back healthfully. It's always going to be about grace. Looking back healthfully is about grace. Whenever we look back, we're always going to be looking back through the filter of God's unconditional love for us. Text message coming your way. <laughs> I'm all, we're always, if we're going to look back, we're going to always look back through the filter of God's unconditional love for us. Because otherwise, looking back is fraught with peril. Because there's blame and brokenness and disappointment and shame and undones and not yets and the should-haves. And it is heart-wrenching to look back without the, 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 the filter, the lens of God's unconditional love and grace for us. That's, we're going to look at that. And we're also going to look at looking forward. And looking forward is looking forward strategically is all about having a plan. Looking forward strategically is all about having a plan. Looking back healthfully is about grace. Looking forward strategically is about having a plan. And you know I love a good plan. Come on now, you know I love a good plan, you spreadsheet people. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So let's look at how to look back healthfully. Because if we're going to look back, we want it to be healthfully. And so here's my number one point. Looking back healthfully, this is my number one point to you. How about, number one, don't. Let's not look back. Let's don't. Looking back healthfully is about maybe not looking back. The scriptures teach that there is a way in which we actually let go of what is behind, right? Philippians chapter 3, this verse that I have on the screen for you. Philippians chapter 3, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself, Paul says to the Philippian church, he goes, listen, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't taken hold of it. I'm not perfect. In other words, at the edge of every Christmas, sorry, New Year's Eve, Paul's looking back like each of us going, yeah, you know what? Guess what? I haven't laid hold of it. I haven't arrived. I haven't been perfected. I have a whole bunch of things in the past that I'm going to be carrying as regrets and imperfections and missed opportunities, etc. Come on, anybody resonate with that? So I haven't laid hold of it. He goes, but one thing I do. Wow, this is Paul saying one thing I do? He's like, listen, there's a whole bunch of ways to look at looking back and looking forward. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind. Wow. And he meant that to mean his whole life story. Like, I'm, like who I was and what I was about and the mistakes that I would make. Like, I forget what is behind and I press on toward what is ahead. Straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. So I'm going to let those things go, and I'm going to strain toward what is ahead. In other words, I'm not going to get stuck in what is the past. I'm going to put my energy in moving toward what is ahead. And that is just a healthy, grace-filtered way of looking at life. And why? Why? It's a clear implication, right? The clear implication is because if I'm stuck in all that was not, if I'm stuck when I look back, then I'm not able to be present. And if I'm not able to be present, I'm not able to be God's woman or God's man in the present. And if I'm stuck in the past and I'm not able to be with God in the present, then I'm not going to be able to live toward the hope that Jesus has for me in the future. And we end up in regret and shame and a spiral downward rather than being God's people. You with me? So looking back healthfully, well, maybe one piece of advice is just don't. We don't, we, in a sense, we actually do not have to get stuck in the past. Secondly, 
We're going to live like we're forgiven, and this is super related. We're going to live like we're forgiven. That's how we look back healthfully. We're going to live like we're forgiven. I didn't even put any scriptures on the screen because that's just such a core message of the scriptures, of God's grace that comes our way, that we're going to live like we're forgiven. We're actually, when we look at the year, and we're going to, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek about not looking back at all. We're just going to look back in the lens of grace, right? And so we're going to, if we do that, we're going to live like we're forgiven because that is a core message of grace, that that's not being held against us. And so the scriptures say things like, he takes our sin and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has removed our sin from us. It says he remembers our wickedness no more. Like he's forgotten it, like it didn't exist. Now some of you are like, that sounds like... um, a cheap excuse to just get out of being a bad person. Well, now you're getting great. You understand grace a little bit. He literally goes, I do not remember the sin and the failure and the brokenness. That's what Paul's saying about looking forward with God. And so when we want to look back at this last year, we're on the cusp of New Year's Eve. We want to look back at this last year. We need to be very careful how we look back. We have to look back through the lens of grace and we have to believe that we're completely forgiven people. I don't know if that's hard for you, because somehow we feel like we need to be paying for our mistakes, or somehow we need to be making atonement for how we were not all that we should have been all year. And I am all for you owning your side of the street. You hear me, people? I'm all for you asking for forgiveness, making restitution to people, if you've harmed them or hurt them. I'm all for you admitting your junk. You hear me? But we do not atone for our sin, and we do not have to punish ourselves on the cusp of a new year because Christ has taken that on in the cross. And so we strain toward what is ahead. So how do we look back healthfully? Maybe we just don't do it, but as we do, we live like we're forgiven. And then third, as we look back healthfully, we rehearse the story of how God was at work. So, I'm, you know, we do look back. And we look back because it strengthens our faith to look back. We look back and we rehearse how God met us during the year. We look back and remember how he came to us when we needed power and conviction and strength and comfort and uh, intervention. Like, we look back and we do that. I don't know how you look back. We're not so good at look-backing people. We're just not that good at it. I mean, are you reflective? Like, do you remember what God was doing in your heart like last February? Somehow the cares of this world, as the scriptures call them, just overwhelm us and we forget the goodness of God and all of that. So I don't know what you need to do, but I think we should be making a plan on the cusp of the new year to be looking back over what God did. Why? Duh, because it strengthens us. If that's how God kept coming through for me, then he will meet me in this year coming up. And that's who I'm going to be, somebody who believes that God's going to come through and meet me. So where do you reflect and how do you reflect well and what do you do with that? Maybe it's a gratitude journal. Maybe you've got the whole list of things that God has done. Maybe it's just remembering and writing a paper, a state of the union on on New Year's Day about how he's been leading you and shaping you and what he's got for you so you just don't forget. You just don't start afresh like you got nothing going on because guess what? It's just eight hours after the New Year. So however God's been working in you this fall, he's still working in you on January 1st. And so 
I don't know what you do to reflect and remember. Some of you are journal people. I finally became a journal person. I was never a journal person. I know there's, again, there's journal people. There's not journal people. I'm now a journal person. And the reason is that like, like yesterday, I read back in my journal and was so moved because somebody in my church, our church, had a dream that I was in and wrote it to me. It was like a prophetic word. I wrote it down in my journal and I forgot about it. But what I'm doing now is I'm writing every day, I'm writing my journal and I'm looking at my writing from a year ago to be able to remember how God had showed up. You guys have moved me to tears, this journal entry, this vision that this person had on December 30th, 2022, that I can't even begin to tell you how it came true during the year. I mean, I'm going in to tomorrow going, our God is real. So I don't know how you're going to do that, but we need to be people who look back carefully, healthfully by rehearsing the story that God has been at work and just not rehearsing all of our failures and all of our brokenness and all that's not yet. Let's remember that God is here. And by, by the way, one other thing I want to say about that. If we're going to look back healthfully and remember what God has done and rehearse where God has been in our story, it's going to include even the worst, even the worst moments of our year. I know so many of your stories, and I'm feeling that with you right this very minute. It's going to include even the worst parts of our year. Because the Father, as we reflect back, walked with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And he got you through it. And he's sustaining you. And he's strengthening your heart. And he's encouraging you, and he's caring for you. And he has, he did, and he is, and he will again. And so even as we look back, rehearse where God has been in our story, he's been even in the hardest parts. Even the parts that we caused, even the difficulties that we caused, he was in that. He was alongside us and he brought a tender conviction and he brought us out of sin and he rescued us from ourselves on and on, right? We even bring that in. I just heard this quote that Augustine was purported to have said, God puts salt tablets on our tongues that we might continually thirst for him. And the author that quoted it said, and I think that sometimes our own tears are the source of that salt. So even what God has done in your life, in the hardest places, even through your tears, that has been a salt onto your tongue that has caused you to thirst for him like no other time. And even that alone, that alone is a grace note and maybe an orchestra of tragedy and sadness and maybe death but all the goodness of god to meet us in the midst of it you with me well, how to look back healthfully well maybe we just we don't like we don't get stuck there but we live like we're forgiven and rehearse the story of how god was at work even in the hardest things looking back healthfully is about grace it's about god being in it it's about us not doing anything that could drive him away. It's about us not doing anything that could make God love us less or make God love us more. It's about God unconditionally accepting us in Christ. That's how we look back healthfully. So some of you are looking back, you're like, okay, good, move on, because I'm not a look back person. Some of us love looking back, some do not. Some love looking forward, some do not. But I, so I'm preaching to both of your learning styles. Here we go, now we're gonna talk about learning, about looking forward. So if looking back is about looking back healthfully, looking forward is about looking forward strategically 
and looking forward strategically is about having a plan. That's the verse that we looked at in Ephesians 5, right? Like, be very careful. Be, take care. Take care. You have a plan. There's something care. You don't live as unwise. You don't live as foolish. You understand what the Lord's will. That's part of having a plan. And so we look forward. We're going to look forward strategically. And that part of that is having a plan. Well, how do we look forward strategically? What does that all look like as it measures out? Here's the first thing I want to say. We're going to make a plan to give ourselves away. We're going to make a plan to give ourselves away. Oh, I forgot something I wanted to say just about this idea of, um, of uh, moving forward strategically. I, I, I saw somebody else write about New Year's resolutions, and they said that, um, they, they said about New Year's, they said, in our New Year's resolutions, our optimism uh, is, what did he say? Oh, this is so good. Our optimism is unfounded. So when we look forward, he goes, our optimism is unfounded. But then he said, but our cynicism is short-sighted and unspiritual. Oh, is that good? So we're not going to depend on ourselves to be better people, but we cannot be cynics because we know God. So we're going to look forward strategically, and we're going to, first thing I want to say is we're going to make a plan to give ourselves away. This is what this is about. This is about this posture This posture is that as believers in Jesus, we give ourselves away. This posture that our life is not our own. This posture that we are bond servants of Christ and every day is the action of submitting ourselves to the lordship of Jesus and the authority of his scriptures. Every day is an act of saying, I am yours and I serve you alone and I will do what you tell me to do. So lead me, Holy Spirit of God. That's what believers in Christ do every day. And so we strategically look forward to make a plan of giving ourselves away every single day. And that plan right now for you, the plan might be super detailed. You might have it already. You're like, I'm going door to door in my neighborhood, taking all my neighbors to lunch. You may have a plan to be like, I work with middle school students and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Like you have all your whole calendar filled with your plan to serve Jesus and to give your life away this year. That's awesome. But I'm saying we just, we maybe just come with the posture of Lord, every hour, every dollar, every word, I submit it to you. Is it? Is it to work with middle schoolers longer? Is it to go to my next door neighbor's house today? Is it to be available to you like this is how I'm going to posture myself? Some of you did the Holy Spirit exercise that we did this last month in December on our discipleship curriculum, and that was part of it, right? was every day posturing ourselves to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? What do you have for me today? Because I am yours. I'm yours. Jonathan Edwards 18th century revivalist said this, resolution one, I will live for God. That's a posture. Resolution two, if no one else does, I still will. Thou preach. In other words, it gets super simple with all the stuff in our lives that we posture ourselves to say, I am yours, and I follow you, period. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and goals develop, and ministry plans develop, and strategy develops. 
but we posture ourselves before God. And we know that that posture, you guys, is gonna manifest itself in God coming and then taking us out in love. This is what the scriptures say, that we give our lives away, it's gonna really be giving ourselves away in love. Look at another passage from Ephesians 1, this time at the beginning of the chapter. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. If you're, if you're dearly loved, now walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and did what? What did Christ do? Gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's what we're gonna be. We're gonna be people who walk in the way of love by giving ourselves up. So we talk about how to look forward strategically, make a plan to give ourselves away. It's gonna be we're gonna give ourselves away in love the way that Christ loved the world. By the way, here's a little preview. Our sermon series that starts next week for the winter that Ben is uh, preaching the beginning of next, next week is called So, So Good. Five things we get to share with the world. Because we're framing this walk of love we have and how we get to share the good news of Christ with people who so much need him. And so it's so good, and we get to walk in love and share that message. So we get to be God's people in such good news. So we're going to make a plan to give ourselves away. That's how we look forward strategically. And this is so related. We're going to fill our tanks so that we have something to give. We've got to fill our tanks so that we've got something to give. If we're like, I'm going to give myself away, I'm going to give myself to the world, and we are showing up on fumes, we got nothing to give. Or you're sucking muck from the bottom of the tank into the carburetor. Friends, that is not a high-functioning machine. And so we let God fill our tanks. So how do we look forward? Strategically, we figure out how to fill our tank so that something as if we have something to give. Oh, and I'm speaking wrong. I'm sure the words we use, I should be very careful. Listen, we don't fill our tanks. Jesus is the vine. And we're the branches. And his life comes through us. It's Jesus that fills our tanks. In fact, any great saint, when you look at them and you realize they're pouring out their lives, what's happening is they're pouring out their lives. And if you had vision, eyes to see spiritually, you'd see Jesus dumping into their tank as they're emptying their tank out into the world. And he keeps filling them up. And so if we're going to make a plan, if we're going to look forward strategically and we're going to have a, 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 um, a plan for this, we're going to have to be like, man, how is my tank getting full? Because here's a spiritual principle that you cannot deny from the scriptures, and that is that what is internal will lead to all the externals. What is internal will lead to all the externals. Okay, I must say it again. What is inside, what is internal will lead to all the externals. This is why Jesus taught in Matthew that a good man brings good things out of the good stored in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. Here's the principle, you guys. What is in you will come out. What is in you will come out. And so when we strategically look forward, we're like, I got to have a plan for Jesus to fill my tank. Jesus said, a man, good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. And in case that wasn't clear enough, he goes, a good tree won't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. What comes in, where what is in us will come out. And so it's on us to say, Lord, fill my tank. Let me posture myself to fill my tank so that I have something to give as I'm posturing myself to give myself away. 
So how do we look forward strategically? We make a plan to give ourselves away. We got to fill our tanks so we got something to give. And then third, and here's the pragmatic part, like we got to change some in infrastructure in our lives. We have to make the necessary investments in our infrastructure so that our tanks get full. Is that too many words? We're making the necessary of investments in our infrastructure so that our tank gets full. You see, we're not just spending a year in 2024 as we look forward. We're not just spending, we're investing. We're investing to the outcome that we want. We're investing in ways that our tank will get full. And this is what the church has done for ages. They're called spiritual practices where we go, I'm gonna put myself in the way of the Holy Spirit so my tank gets full so then I can give my life away because that's what Jesus' people do. And so we look forward strategically, you guys. We gotta go, all right, so great. So what are those, those investments that I need to make? What do I need to do so that my tank can keep getting full? Verses like this passage in 2 Peter are so clear that where it talks about us making effort, every effort to be in the place where God's work and transformation can happen. For this very reason, it says in 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, for this very reason, make every effort, there it is, to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge. Now, don't get stuck on all these words. You go back and study those one at a time this week. It would be an awesome Bible study, and it isn't necessarily a leading of a direct line, but it's saying, look, it, here's all the stuff that you're investing in goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and, and love, because it goes on to say this in verse eight, look, for if you possess these qualities, the next, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. In other words, some of us just have knowledge, but we're ineffective and unproductive as God's people. We don't live with life flowing through us. We don't live with life overflowing to the world. But if we make every effort to pursue the Spirit's work in transforming us, then God's change happens, and the opposite is true. We become effective and productive in our relationships with Christ. Oh, I love that. Uh, our chair of our leadership team, uh, Wim Van Dam, is here. I've shared this once a long time ago, several years ago, uh, he's, he's an ultra marathoner. And he, several years ago, I said, hey, I want to run an ultra. And he goes, you're 50K or 50 miler? I'm like, well, I don't know, like 50 miler maybe. And he's like, okay. And then he wrote me a text that I'll never forget. It's, a fam it's my most famous text in my phone. It said, regarding training, <laughs> colon, if you hope to finish a 50K or a 50 miler, you need to build character. Building character requires perseverance, and perseverance comes from embracing the suffering during many long training runs. And he ended his text by saying, are you ready to suffer? And I wrote, um, no. What he meant was, are you ready to lay down your life? Are you ready to receive what comes through practice and training and perseverance? Because it's not going to be easy. It's going to, be, it's going to require discipline. See, the other word for spiritual practices is spiritual disciplines. 
And we don't love the word discipline. Anyone love the word discipline? <laughs> but it, these things where we're gonna put ourselves in the place where Jesus can fill our tank by his Holy Spirit, to put ourselves in those places are gonna require discipline because they're not always easy and we love easy. And they're gonna require discipline and perseverance because we don't always see results as quickly as we want to. And all of that adds up to us going, never mind, I'll just be who I always was. But if we're going to find the life that Christ is promising, we're going to look forward in strategic ways to be able to give our lives away, then we're going to put ourselves in the place by practicing the spiritual practices so that our hearts can be full and then we'll have something to give. Why would we do that? Why would we do that work? God does the work of transformation and healing and grace and strength. But why would we do the work to put ourselves in that place? Because without it, we'll stay the same. And because actually, in our hearts, we long for what it brings. Full circle. Because life is found when we give ourselves away. That's what he has for us in 2024. So how to look forward strategic, we make a plan to give ourselves away, we fill our tanks so that we have something to give, and then we make the necessary investments in the infrastructure. Band, come out, you guys, we want to worship, and I just want to finish up, but listen, you guys, here's, here's where I want to leave you with this. I don't know, I'm not asking you to make goals today. I'm not asking you to make resolutions today. I don't know what walking in your shoes looks like. I don't know what adjustments to your infrastructure are required so that you're postured before the Holy Spirit to receive his power and his change in your life. I don't know what to tell you about that. So I'm not gonna tell you to set goals. I'm gonna tell you to put yourself in a posture of a servant of Christ who says, resolution one, I will live for God. And if nobody around me is doing that, I'll do it anyway. But I will live for God. Now here's the prayer. So Holy Spirit, come lead me into what that looks like. And I'm going to respond. Looking forward strategically is about having a plan. And that plan is mostly to posture ourselves to say, Lord Jesus, let me, lead me in giving my life away. Church, that is such good news because then life comes as we give our lives for Christ. I want to respond in worship now, so let's stand together and let him know our desire to live for him.